Well, is anyone else feeling like, as we talk about words this morning, there's nothing that's more immediately applicable in our lives than what we're about to dive into today? Um, at least I'm feeling that. Maybe I'm the only one. No? Okay. Um, thanks, kids, for reading this morning. Uh, I don't know about you, but I hear scripture um, differently when it comes from the mouths of kids. Um, it hits me differently. I hear it in a different way. And so um, that's really cool. Thank you for doing that for us this morning. Um, I'm getting a little feedback on my mic. If we could fix that, that would be great. Um, I love um, Sundays where we give kids Bibles. Um, as Heidi handed off those Bibles to the kids, I remember getting my first Bible. <laughs> and um, I know that as a community, we love our kids. And so to be able to not just hand them a Bible, but what are we doing, right? We're handing them the Word of God and we're saying, this is like the most important thing. This is like the core of the core of the core kind of stuff. And so I hope that as we um, see our kids stand in front of us, as we have some of our youth in front of us who are receiving Bibles as a part of their confirmation um, during second service, that um, that's just a meaningful time for us as a community. And it's something that doesn't just happen once, but it happens over and over and over again as we hand to them the Word of God. Um, one other thing this past weekend, we celebrated the life of um, Augustine Charlie. Um, uh, Charlie and Louisa have been a part of our church family for a number of years. They came to us as we had a refugee team that was ministering to refugees, and they were from Liberia. And we um, had a team of people that just loved on them and took care of them and um, surrounded their family, and they have loved so well. And for the past number of years, Charlie has struggled with cancer and passed away, and many of you know this, but we had um, a great two nights of celebrating his life. And let me tell you, that Liberian crew, they... They do it well, and um, they tell the stories, and they cry, and they celebrate, and they worship, and this place was filled with a lot of beauty. And there were several of you that showed up and supported their family, but you also served them well. You served food um, afterwards, and you just communicated and expressed your love for them. And um, I know that you don't do that to get any thanks, but thank you. Um, there are a lot of quiet servers in this church that just have the gift of showing up, and uh, we thank you for that, because there are a lot of ways that we express our love and support and do community that they're not the upfront kind of things, but you do that so well, so thank you for that. Um, as we just open up the word to James chapter 3, we're in the series on James this morning, I just want to pray, so um, will you just join me in just praying this morning? God, I pray that as we listen to your word, as we've handed off your word to our kids, God, would you just do something in us? Father, would your Holy Spirit just be moving and working in us? And as we come before you, I know that there are things that need to be dealt with in my own heart when it comes to my words. So, Father, would you do that kind of work in the way that you can, in a gentle way? Would you stir in us something new? We love you and we thank you for your word this morning. Amen. Amen. 
Well, friends, um, growing up, I was always the kid that had a lot of words. Um, Maybe to some of you, that's not going to surprise you. Words were always something that kind of came naturally for me. Um, I seemed to have this innate need to kind of express what was going on inside of me or maybe just to offer my observations to others about the world, Um, my conclusions and my opinions about what was happening. Um, which kind of meant that it left uh, my family and those closest to me to um, hear and have the opportunity to listen to my ongoing commentary on everything from like drama with a classmate or maybe something about the latest breakfast cereal um, to the new kids on the block, which as a child of the 80s, this was like not a new kid that moved down the street, but this was a boy band. And so we need to just get that straight this morning. Or I remember as a middle schooler just talking about how I needed to pay $75 for a pair of Z Cavarici jeans. This is kind of what they looked like. Thank you, Chaz. Um, They were awesome. And I needed these jeans and I never owned them, which my parents are here. And I'm just kind of grateful that maybe they said no, because the pictures in retrospect would have been horrible. Um, Because they were, they were like ballooned out, which really does nothing for you. There was a little tag on the zipper, which meant it's just weird. There's weirdness all around. You can Google it. Take a look at some pictures. They are not, they're not good. Um, but I, I always had a lot of words, and we can just pull those jeans down, Kevin, off the... Mm-hmm. And you just combine this with the fact that I was the kid that always wanted to be in the know, right? And you get into some pretty dangerous territory. Like, I was the kid that was always cozying up to the adult conversation, wanting to know the details, and soaking it all in. I was the friend that wanted to know all of the juicy bits of the latest updates. I mean, even with my brothers, my two younger brothers, who I just thought were gross, because all big sisters think their brothers are gross, right? Like, I wanted to know, like, who their girlfriends were, who they liked, what was going on in their life, where they spent their time, and then they would, something just happened. I'm booming now all of a sudden. Um... Yeah, I'm booming. Um, I wanted to know everything about their lives. And then in that moment of weakness with them, I would just like dig in, as big sisters tend to do. Um, In other words, for my family, I was really fun to be around. Um, I was just a delight, friends. Um, It's a wonder I didn't do long-lasting damage to more of my relationships. Um, I remember my parents saying to me, Colleen, you're either going to be a teacher or a lawyer, um, because both of them, they use a lot of words, but you talk circles around people, so we think you should go into law. Um, To be fair, I don't think pastor was on their radar screen at the moment. That's a whole nother sermon. Um, But nevertheless, there have been a lot of times in my life, and maybe you can relate with this, where I really wanted one of these. Anyone wish they had one of those buttons? For those intense moments, for those moments where you're feeling all the feelings and the words are just coming out, ever wish you could just hit pause? Anyone wish that someone that they loved had one of these buttons? (laughs) That you could just push and allow room to think about what they're going to say or maybe just take a deep breath? You know what button I'd find myself using more often? take something back that just came out of my mouth. Not like a lot of time. I just need 10 seconds. Just rewind me a little bit. Just take me back. Take my words back for those times where I just feel like I just said something stupid 
but also for those moments when we learn our words are hurtful, when our words cause pain, when our words inflict wounds or create barriers in relationships. Proverbs 18.21 says this, it was written by this father to his son, this collection of wisdom, this book of Proverbs, it says this to his son, the tongue has the power of life and death. I mean, think about that just for a moment. The tongue has the power of life and death. I mean, with your words, you land a job. With your words, you build intimacy. You build friendship. You build community. With your words, you build a family culture. If you're in the room and you're under the age of 18, with your words, you're building a relationship with your parents. Your words may have landed you in trouble. Um, Your words may have gotten you a date. Your words may have lost you that same date. Your words may have gotten you out of a parking ticket. What kind of realities are you giving shape to with the words that you speak? How would your kids answer that question? How would the people you report to at work answer that question? What about your spouse or your friends or your roommate? What kind of chain reactions are you setting into motion with the words that you say? And just to make things either a bit more complex or a bit more realistic today, we can also add to that that while we're working on our tongues, this also includes our fingers with what we post and our thumbs with what we tweet or Instagram. I can see it. I'm getting a little real. Uh Uh-huh what we put out on social media. Our words often come at this lightning speed and at this pace where we get things out so quickly and we wish then that we could take them back. Whether they are posted or typed or tweeted or text or spoken, our words have power. So this morning we're gonna talk about that power and talk about how we can both harness it and use it for good, but also guard our mouth against the misuse of power that so often happens in our lives. And so we're gonna look at James chapter three this morning and we're gonna start with verse one. And so open up your Bibles, grab and open up your app on your phone, James chapter three, verse one. Some of you are moving, way to go. Some of you are like, it's on the screen. It's different when you see it in your own stuff, right? First one reads, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Like there it is, he's just laying it out to a word, a word to people who are in particular um, areas of influence, to teachers who um, have people who listen to them. And he says to them, friends, you need to be really careful. And with that, like I just start to sweat a little bit. (laughs) Like, okay, got it. Check. Um... He continues and he evens the playing field in verse two and he says, we all stumble. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. They are able to keep their whole body in check. The message says it another way. It says, and none of us is perfectly qualified. It says we get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouths. I love the honesty of that. If you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you would have a perfect person in perfect control of life. In other words, if you can control your words, 
If you never use words that hurt or wound or gossip or grumble or curse or rage, then you are perfect. You can close your Bibles. We'll see you later. Go out to brunch, right? You're fine. You've got it. But the reality is the message is true. We get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouths. And so knowing that we're going to need a little bit more help in this area, James gives us these three kind of pictures that help us wrap our heads and our hearts around what this means. And the first image he talks about is this. He says, um, let's talk about horses, which I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll go with you. Like, I'm not a horse person, but I'll go with you. Um, verse three, it says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses and make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Now, I haven't spent a lot of time with horses. I don't know much, so Google is my friend here. And I know that that bit or that piece that is in the horse's mouth, which weighs about pound and a half, two pounds of steel, it's put in the mouth, and then the person riding the horse, the rider, can steer a 1,500-pound animal. I mean, it's incredible when you think about it. And then um, James lays another picture on. He says, okay, let's talk about ships, which that's not my territory either. So, um, but he says, although they are so large and they are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Here's a picture of a ship. There's the rudder in case you didn't. This is like ship for, for dummies, right? Which I need. There's the rudder with the arrow pointing to it, right? But the point here is... In the case of the horse's bit, in the case of the rudder, they are small parts that have big influence. Small parts, but big influence. And the tongue is the same to our body, one part, but it has massive influence. This human tongue is made up of like eight muscles, and unlike every other muscle in my body, it seems to never get tired, right? And then Paul goes on and he gives this other example and he tackles not how the tongue is controlled but what the tongue produces. And he says in verse five, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest fire is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. I mean, James is using some pointed language here. He is saying, understand this, your words have a chain reaction. They will set into motion this series of events, erratic and difficult to stop, destructive, not just for you, but for everyone around you. Many of you listening to this message will know the effects of this chain reaction all too well. Maybe you spent time in a destructive relationship where instead of the truth and affirmation spoken in love, you were always made to feel inadequate. Words told you time and time again that you were missing the mark. Maybe you had a parent who used words over and over again like disappointed. Maybe you are part of a church where strict words of legalism grew in you, the sense of shame that still to this day is just difficult to shake. 
There was a teacher in my school growing up who had struggled when she was a little girl learning to read. And even at her retirement, she reflected how one student said to her, you're stupid. And I remember as she shared that how those words at such a young age shaped her actions and her attitudes. What kind of chain reactions are you setting in motion with the words that you say? The truth of us, the truth of it is, is that some of us have scorched the people we love. And we've all made different excuses and we've said things like, you know, I didn't really mean it. Or I just wasn't thinking it, it just came out so fast. That's not what I intended. It sounded worse than I meant. Or you know, I was really stressed out. Or I was drunk, right? We've all made excuses. Some of us, when it comes to our relational life, our world looks like this image. And friends, this morning we can begin to use our words for good by acknowledging our failures and then seeking forgiveness. That is available to us. Verse seven says this, all kinds of animals, birds and reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. No human being can tame the tongue, James says. That sounds like defeat to me. That sounds like defeat. But I think James is saying, you know what? You are going to screw up in this area. Like get ready because life is gonna give you ample opportunity. But instead of coming up with our defensive mechanisms, which so many of us are so good at doing, we need to get really good at noticing when we're wrong, at naming when we're wrong, asking for forgiveness, and then getting on with it. We need to get really good at pressing into that. But friends, if we choose to ignore the chain reactions of our words, this pattern that our little or big digs can have, there's a word of caution for us here that if we don't lean into this, there is destruction ahead. It's a restless evil. It is full of deadly poison. So what do we do? If that's the state of our words, if that's the state of what James is saying, that there's potential for destruction here, how do we move into life? What do we do? I just want to give you a few words from this last section of scripture. And I want you to read these words with me from um, James 3 verse 9. We're going to get them up on the screen there. James 3 9 and it says this. Let's read it out loud together. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. In God's likeness, did you catch that? Each and every person made with the very likeness of their creator God. Mark just preached on this, treating people with dignity and it's I like leave and I move into my life and we so quickly forget it. We can't be so quick to brush by these important words, each and every person made in the image of their creator God. I know my daughter, Annika, who's 13, loves it when we're out and about and uh, we're out together and people take one look at her and one look at me and they say to her, I know who your mom is, right? 
You look exactly like her. I mean, people did that to me growing up, and my mom is fantastic, but it just kind of creeps you out a little bit when you're young. Um, But what people said to me and what they are saying to her is that they see my image in her. They see my likeness in her. And friends, we should be moving in our worlds with this deep sense of each and every person bears the likeness of God. Before someone even speaks, before we get the text from them, we have a deep understanding that each and every person bears the mark of their creator and we are looking for it. We are expecting it and we're not just surprised when we find it. The second thing is this, we need to guard our mouth. And I know when I say that, it's a lot easier to say than it is to do. I have wrestled this thing down and I will again tomorrow and I will again the next day, right? James says you don't tame it. He has established that. Remember in verse one, he gives us these important words. He says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. We're already given this great wisdom in terms of opening our mouths, quick to listen, slow to speak. There's this great verse from Psalms 141.3 that I just want to challenge you to memorize and just use in a prayer this week. It's a great um, verse just to have in your hearts, friends. It says this, set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I mean, what would that look like every morning if you just got up and said, Lord, set a guard over my mouth today. Train me, Lord. Help me to learn a new rhythm of using my words, quick to listen, slow to speak. And then when we do use words, Ephesians 4.29 gives us this great line, this great guideline. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Friends, we tend to think of our words as us, right? We tend to think, I've got to get my agenda out there, my concerns, my thoughts, my ideas. People need to hear from me. And Paul is saying that when we follow Jesus, when we lean into our relationship with him, the starting point is what is beneficial for others. To be sensitive, to be thoughtful, and aware of what other people need. Friends, how can you build into someone's life with your words today? Hopefully you've had someone speak those words over you, a grandparent, a mentor, a teacher, a coach, a parent. I remember those words. I have held on to them. I remember the first time someone said to me, Colleen, you are a good leader. You're a good leader and people follow. Friends, those words, they shaped my life. When someone said, you know what, when you said that, Colleen, I took that in and it helped me. It helped me, them naming and saying those words to me. Friends, it shaped kind of what I chose to pursue. Those words that Chris said when he popped that really important question and he turned to me and said, do you want more ice cream? (laughs) Friends, our words matter. Who can you build up with your words this week? And the last thing is this, friends, we need to build some self-awareness. We need to build some self-awareness because the reality is this conversation goes so much deeper than our mouths. 
Our words reveal something. Our words reveal something. Verse 10, and James says this, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? I've never seen that before. My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs, right? It doesn't happen. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. We need to build some self-awareness about our words because they reveal something. It reveals our heart. It reveals our heart. And um, friends, we, especially for those of us who have been around Jesus for a long time, for those of you who consider yourself to be a little bit more mature in your faith, a word of caution here. Your words have weight. When you've been around for a while, when people look to you, whether in informal or formal settings, you've got to be super aware of your words. You do not have the luxury of casually complaining. You don't have the luxury of saying things other than that in love. You just don't have it. People are looking to you. Our students are looking to you. You just handed our kids the word. They are looking to you. You don't have the luxury. Don't get comfortable, friends, but press into the life that God has for you, even in these areas that are hard. What do these words reveal about the condition of your heart? I just wanted you to do a little self-check this morning. Luke 6.45, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And we say things like, you know what, I didn't really mean that. Or I was just really busy when I said that. That just came out wrong. Really? Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Our words reveal what's inside. Our heart, the heart of the problem is that it's a problem of the heart. This isn't about just breaking bad habits. This isn't about just learning to be nice. Christianity is not a do-it-yourself experience. It is a heart issue that we can't fix by ourselves. We need our hearts changed. We need our lives to be transformed. We need Jesus to do his work in us. This is what we need from him to give us the fruits of the spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. This is the work that he does. It is not the work that we do. The God that we worship with our lips can also forgive us for the misuse of our lips and that is good news. This God can also cleanse our hearts and fill them with good things. Friends, Jesus didn't come to make us nice people, but to give us new hearts. To change us from the inside out. To lay his life down so that we could have a whole new one. I want to close today with a story that just kind of drew this all together for me. And I 
um, had to admit, I heard it on the radio recently, and then I had to go like do some checking out to make sure it was real, and it is. So I want to share it with you as we close this morning. There's a, uh, a story about a man named Rabbi Michael Weissner. I don't know if I'm saying his name right. But in 1991, the rabbi moved to the town of Lincoln, Nebraska, with his wife and their five children. And just a day after they moved in, the phone rang and the voice on the other end started hurling these racial insults at the rabbi, calling him Jew boy and quite violently saying that he and his family were not welcome in this town. The next day, a package arrived at the rabbi's home and it contained all this anti-Semitic materials and this unsigned card in the bottom of the package that read, the KKK is watching you scum. And there was a man in the community named Larry Trapp and they had discerned that with police, it was this man who was sending these packages and he was the leader of the um, local KKK chapter. And so what do you do? Rabbi Weissner kind of guessed that the threats were coming from Larry, and he was right. So Rabbi Weissner found Larry's phone number, and once a week, the rabbi would make a phone call to Larry. And Larry never picked up the phone, so every week the rabbi would simply leave a message, some words of encouragement, some words of love. He would call him his love notes to Larry. He would say things to him like, there's a lot of love out there, Larry, and you're not getting any of it. Do you want some? And then he'd hang up. And the next week he'd call again and he'd leave another message. He'd offer to drive Larry to the grocery store if he ever needed it. He learned that Larry had had diabetes and both of his legs had been amputated. So he thought, well, certainly Larry might need some help. And friends, this went on for months. Months and months, Larry made these phone calls, or Rabbi Weissner made these phone calls and just loved Larry with his words. And then late one night, the rabbi's phone rang, and it was Larry Trapp, and Larry said to him, I want to get out of what I'm doing, but I don't know how. In other words, I want to change my reality. And so that night, the rabbi and his wife drove to Larry's home. They spent three hours speaking with this KKK leader, and a friendship of sorts began. And over the next several months, Mr. Trapp left the clan. He made public apologies to those he had harmed. He began attending synagogue with the rabbi and his family, and pretty soon, Larry's health worsened. And he moved, get this, he moved into the rabbi's home, where he was cared for by Rabbi Weissner, his wife, and his family until his eventual death. Right there in the rabbi's home, the very same place where he had mailed words of hate, he died surrounded and embraced by love and friendship. I mean, think about that for just a minute. I love that image. And I think of that story and I'm brought back to the image of Jesus on the cross in his final painful moments of life, granting forgiveness to the crook next to him and asking the father that he would forgive the people who had killed him. Until the very end, Jesus used his words to continue the work of the Father, to fill the world with the living potential of our words. And friends, we just need to name the fact that you might have a Larry in your life today. Who needs the living words that Jesus' offer has for each and every one of us. Let me just pray as we close this morning.
Father God, for those of us who are sitting here and there are names and there are faces and there are words that have been spoken to us that have been hurtful. God, we just invite you into those places. Because out of the heart, the mouth speaks and God, we want hearts that are filled with your beauty and your redemption and your forgiveness. And so into these hard places, we invite you in and we name the reality that we have been carrying around her. God, would you just do your gentle work in those spaces of mining out those hurts and bringing them into the light of day so they can be dealt with by your Holy Spirit who wants the best for us. God, for those of us who have not had a guard over our mouths and we have said words flippantly, we have said words intentionally to hurt, we have made an impact with our words, God, would you help us? Would you invite us into a new reality, into new training that isn't just about guarding our mouths, but it's about changing our hearts so that we can love others well? God, forgive us for the ways that we have used our words and we've put up walls around us. God, help us to get real about this reality in our lives. Help us to feel the invitation of your spirit into a new reality. God, we love you and we thank you for who you are. And as we close in worship, we just acknowledge that you also allow us to use our words to worship you as our heavenly father. Thank you, Jesus that you desire a relationship with us and you've given us the tools to do it. Help us to say how much you mean to us. Help us to name the things that are good and true about who you are. Help us to feel the weight of that and the freedom of that in our lives today. In your name we pray, amen.